With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, 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 baseball fans. How are we doing today? Brendan Schaefer here with you, looking to talk over some of the baseball news of the day. As it's Monday, January 27th, uh, here in Columbia, Missouri, there is still snow on the ground uh, from the weekend snowstorm we had. I guess that was Thursday night when all the snow came down, blanketed the streets, and we still aren't getting much warmer as far as the weather is concerned, so I still see some snow out there. Uh, But you know what? It won't be long, and we'll be talking about actual baseball games being played because the Cardinals are just a few weeks away from reporting down to spring training in Jupiter, Florida. And I'm excited to get down there myself out of this weather here in Missouri. Uh, But today I just want to talk over some of the news of the day. Uh, This is something I'm going to try to start out doing here for the first time and and see if I can continue uh, on a daily basis, which is why uh, I believe we're going to call this podcast endeavor, Be Shafe Daily. And again, my intention is now starting out with a new uh, podcasting host called Anchor, which I'll tell you about a little bit later in the show. Um, But my intention is to do a little bit of something every day for you guys and get back into periscopes and things like that as baseball season uh, begins to roll around. I'll be heading down to Jupiter, Florida on February 12th. Um, I believe that's the day after Cardinals pitchers and catchers report. Uh, for spring training there. So it should be a great time. And uh, hopefully for uh, KMOV and in podcast form and and on Twitter at bshafer12, uh, as well as facebook.com slash bshafer12, I'll have plenty of Cardinals coverage for you guys down from Jupiter. But let's get started and discuss, uh, first and foremost, the, the, the thing that's actually happened. Um, and, and we'll get to some things that uh, could happen here in the not-too-distant future. But first, the, the Nick Castellanos signing by the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Castellanos reportedly signing for a four-year deal, $64 million, $16 million on the average annual value, and reportedly a couple of opt-outs as well um, for the slugging outfielder, uh, formerly of the Detroit Tigers. Of course, he came over to the Chicago Cubs late last season and apparently earned himself a lot of money because uh, you look at some of his numbers before uh, the last 220-some-odd plate appearances of 2019, uh, Castellanos wasn't anything particularly special, but he caught fire with the Cubs, had an OPS over 1,000, and obviously that is something that's now earned him some cash because he got the guaranteed dollars that uh, Marcelo Zuna was seeking and was unable to get, ultimately signing a one-year deal with the Braves. But I think the question on a lot of Cardinals fans' mind today, uh, because of this signing with the Reds, it's not the first thing the Reds have done this offseason that indicates that they are now serious after several years of uh, you know, kind of being basement dwellers in the National League Central. They are now serious about trying to contend for this division. Because, of course, this is far from the first move the Reds have made this winter. They've been pretty active, and I think that's part of what has Cardinals fans so frustrated right now as the Reds have continually added to their roster throughout this offseason, uh, really starting at the very beginning of it. And the Cardinals, meanwhile, haven't been active at all. So I, I think that kind of 
juxtaposition is part of what has Cardinals fans frustrated. But you look at what the Reds have been able to do already this winter. Uh, they signed Mike Moustakis, which, uh, you know, he's played some second base, some third base. He's kind of played all around, but the bat has continued to be uh, something that's threatening. And especially if you're not counting on him as your only star hitter, I think uh, part of what the conversation has been when you look at perhaps the Cardinals' potential interest in Mike Moustakis in previous seasons um, you know, you look at his numbers are pretty good, but they, they don't jump off the page at you as the kind of guy that anchors a lineup. And I think before the Cardinals traded for Paul Goldschmidt, who, you know, he's supposed to kind of be that anchor in St. Louis. Now, um, you looked at Moustakis and we're like, yeah, he's a good player, but I, I don't know if he's really uh, the impact bat the Cardinals need. But in the Reds case, they've made so many moves that he doesn't have to be the only guy to carry the load there in Cincinnati this year. And they can kind of put him uh, wherever they want in the middle of that lineup and, and really defensively on the field. Um, if they if they want to go uh, with with a more offensive heavy lineup, you've obviously got Eugenio Suarez uh, that's played a lot of third base for them, and he's a really good player in the middle of that lineup as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where Mike Moustakis plays. But the point of uh, of bringing him up is, yeah, that's where they started their off season in Cincinnati, and and that's a pretty good place to start. Then they add Wade Miley later in the month of December um, to kind of strengthen up that starting rotation, which I think is going to be a strong suit. Um, for the Reds, I, I think coming into last year, we said that they could could maybe uh, t- take a bump up in that department because previously, I mean, some of the guys that they were running out there in their rotation, it was just that they didn't have a chance. But now you look at where they are. Luis Castillo is turning into a, a bona fide star in his own right, uh, certainly capable of handling the top of that rotation. You've got Trevor Bauer there now, will be there for the full season um, if he's able to continue some of the success he's had in his career. Um, I know Sonny Gray has been kind of an injury risk in the past, but he's there as well. Uh, you add Wade Miley to that, and Anthony Desclafani is another guy that I really like um, who who finally kept himself pretty healthy for um, the majority of 2019, made 31 starts, had some pretty solid numbers. And, I mean, if that's the end of your rotation in Cincinnati, uh, I know you're playing at Great American Small Park, and so that's not a benefit for anybody who's going to be pitching there on a regular basis. Uh, but some of the names that they've got in this rotation, and then you've got some younger guys, um, Tyler Malley, Lucas Sims, is another player uh, that could potentially push for a spot in the rotation if and when those injuries do creep up. Because as we know, um, you know, I, I say it every year for Cardinals purposes, somebody's going to get hurt within that starting rotation. You might go into Jupiter thinking you've got depth there, um, but it doesn't take long for that depth to start, you know, whittling away. And, and for the most part, the Cardinals actually stayed pretty healthy in their rotation last year. But the big hit for them was Carlos Martinez that came right at the beginning of spring training. And so, uh, you don't know what that's going to look like for the Cardinals. You don't know what that's going to look like, of course, for the Reds. But I think where they stand now is certainly a lot better than where they they stood in their starting rotation uh, some years ago. But then, you know, you add on top of that Nick Castellanos in the move on Monday that has been announced by multiple outlets. Um, you know, you just have a lot of really good kind of slugging outfielders. I think the way their lineup projects is going to fit their ballpark that they play in there in Cincinnati very well. Um, you know, some of the guys and they they also signed uh, Shogo Akayama, the uh, Japanese born player um, played in the uh, NPB over in Japan, has had a nice career for himself over there. But he's 31 years old now. So it was kind of getting to that point where if you're if you're going to make the jump now, is probably the time you're kind of running out of time. If you if you want to, um, you know, be able to show American baseball fans kind of how good of a player you really can be before, uh, you know, your, your mid career kind of decline begins to take place. But uh, he was a guy that the Reds gave three years and $21 million to uh, earlier in January as another outfielder to go into that mix. 
Um, I think certainly with the news that the uh, designated hitter could be coming to a National League ballpark near you as early as 2021, that was Jim Bowden uh, that I saw report that on Twitter. Um, there's been some other chatter about that today, and we'll get to that more in a minute after we kind of close the, the door on the Reds conversation. Uh, but it, it, it kind of does play into this a little bit where you look at Castellanos, the biggest knock on him would be his defense. Uh, a lot of people like to compare that to, you know, Jose Martinez with the Cardinals. He was an impactful bat, um, but just you didn't have anywhere to put him in the field. And with Castellanos' defense, I think is on par in, in a negative fashion with what uh, Cafecito brought as a, as a right fielder uh, with the Cardinals. And he might even be worse than Jose Martinez in, is in the outfield. But um, what he can do offensively, I, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, it wasn't anything special before that big run he had at the end of last season. That's not exactly true. Um, because I, I could hear myself saying that and then thinking, yeah, Cardinal fans are going to jump all over this because if you go look through his career in Detroit, um, looking at this baseball reference page right now, you can go back to 2016 uh, where his uh, kind of career renaissance began. He was just a 24-year-old player at that time, but that's really when he started to come into his own. Um, and, you know, I can rattle it off for you. OPS of 827, 811, 854. And then last season, his OPS for the full season was 863, but that started with a 790 in a, a basement-dwelling Detroit team that wasn't going anywhere. And then he joins the Cubs, joins a contender. Um, perhaps that was part of what gave him a boost last season to get his OPS at uh, 1,002 uh, for an OPS plus of 151. So that's a remarkable uh, output that he had with the Cubs down the stretch. And like I mentioned, um, that's certainly something that earned him the, the multi-year contract that Ozuna uh, who's who's a year or two older was unable to to get this offseason. So when I look though at his fit in Cincinnati, sure their defense is probably going to take a hit in the outfield. And you've also got uh, Aristides Aquino um, as a guy who just burst onto the scene last year uh, with a with a big bat. Kind of fell off toward the end of the season, but uh, for my purposes in fantasy baseball, helped me uh, get a W in a, in one of my leagues. So I can appreciate that. But you know he's going to have to. To, to see what he can do as far as a, a sophomore slump trying to avoid a situation like that. But certainly a guy who um, has some power and, and is going to be alongside uh, Castellanos, who, who profiles in a similar way in that outfield. And then uh, Shogo Akiyama, what can he bring you as kind of a leadoff batter is I think what he's going to profile a little bit more as. But you've got you know more outfielders really in Cincinnati now than you have spots for. Um, and, and we talked about their infield a little bit with Suarez and Moustakas, what he would bring. Can Joey Votto kind of bounce back a little bit um, from where he was uh, last season, which was certainly a down year by his career standards, but still um, a remarkable player who, ha who has had a remarkable career in Cincinnati. And now you've got guys around him that can certainly uh, have the ability to elevate his play. So uh, you look at the Reds, I think they're going to be a threatening bunch uh, compared to uh, certainly where they've been in recent years in the National League Central. And you look around that division, um, just as I'm recording this podcast, more news drops uh, from the NL Central that the Pirates are trading Starling Marte to the Arizona Diamondbacks. So that's another marquee player out of the Central, another team in the division that's not really trying to go anywhere this season. The Pirates, I think, are probably the worst team in the NL Central as it stands today. I haven't done my official predictions as of yet for uh, for, for what the season's going to look like uh, one through five in the National League Central. But if I had to do it today, I think the Pirates would be number five uh, without a doubt there. Um, I still think the Brewers have a lot of talent. I know they lost some of that talent and certainly some of it coming over uh, to the Reds in the, the Mustaka situation. But um, I think they've still got a pretty decent team that they're going to contend um, right around that 500 mark, give or take. Um, and, and there are obviously some things that could be done 
between now and opening day that could shift that in either direction. Um, but the Cubs have certainly not done anything. And, you know, I got to be honest, neither of the Cardinals. The Cardinals added uh, KK, the, the Korean pitcher, who's going to vie for a spot on the starting rotation. But they've subtracted from their major league, uh, their major league roster otherwise and, and not added anything offensively at all. They bring back Matt Wieters. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals have been pretty dormant, as have the Cubs. And so uh, you look at the Reds as a team that could potentially take advantage of that. I think a lot of Cardinals fans right now are seeing that opening and are, are, are wishing their team would – would do a little bit more, and that's certainly understandable. Um, you know, within the context of the Ozuna situation, a lot of Cardinal fans thought, you know, maybe they should bring him back. Um, that was a deal where when I tweeted it out, though, actually the majority of people that responded would not have given, uh, were, you know, they were not upset that the Cardinals did not give Ozuna the deal that the Atlanta Braves did at one year and $18 million. And so, um, and weirdly enough, I wonder if that Ozuna contract um, you know, the Reds were rumored to be in on Ozuna earlier in the offseason. They end up obviously getting Castellanos, who um, you could argue has had a more consistent level of production throughout his uh, his career. His peak has has been, you know, pretty steady as far as what he's been able to do, whereas Ozuna has kind of been up and down a little bit. Um, even with the Cardinals, um, his numbers weren't bad. He was still an above average player and, and you know, filled the, the cleanup role for the Cardinals, um, at least in an adequate way. Um, but you know, he, he, he's had that big season that everybody looks back to in 2017 in Miami. And so you're always kind of comparing whatever he does going forward to that. And uh, some of that kind of, you know, because that was a couple of years ago and, and, and people have seen what he has, has been with the Cardinals, even on a contending team, um, was not able to elevate his level of play. Is that perhaps why he ends up with $18 million instead of, uh, a, a contract similar to the one that Castellanos got, um, it might just be that Castellanos got hot at the right time and, and, you know, we'll see how he performs with Cincy. But again, I think his style of play is going to uh, fit that ballpark pretty well. And, and, and he'll have an opportunity, um, you know, 81 games out of the year to uh, hit, hit home runs that, you know, in his career at uh, Comerica Park in Detroit, were not going to go out of the yard. And now they're probably uh, going to do so. And that's going to improve him all the more. But going back to Ozuna, it's just interesting to me that the Reds opted to give Castiano so much more leverage here. You know, you give him four years, um, and and he's got a couple of opt-outs, I believe, one after 2020 and one after 2021. So if he has another great year for you, which based on the way the ballpark aligns and the things we've already mentioned, that's certainly a, a possibility to happen uh, for him. And then he can go back out onto the market at 28 or 29 years old and cash in for an even bigger deal. It kind of strikes me that when you look at what Ozuna ultimately got, I think he might've been as good of a fit or better for what the Reds are, are, are looking to do because as much as we talk about Ozuna's defense, not being very good, he's won a gold glove. Um, but we, you know, we talk about the negatives of his defense. He was a lot better in 2019 than he was in 2018. You know, he had a little bit more of a throwing arm and still the metrics don't seem to mind Ozuna. When you look at the defensive uh, metrics that they that they have nowadays for for his outfield performance he rates pretty well actually so even if he doesn't pass the eye test defensively certainly what our minds all go back to is the play he had last April where he climbed the wall and the ball didn't even get to the wall it bounced off the warning track and over and you know he made a fool of himself and became a, a wonderful gift for everybody but um, I think you can bet that his defensive performance in, in in left field for the Braves is probably going to exceed what um, you know, the Reds get out of Castellanos. And so that's why I just kind of found it interesting that even though Ozuna signs first uh, for that one year kind of pillow contract that the Reds were apparently already out on him at that point, 
um, and, and opted to go for the player whose market really didn't take much of a dive at all. Ultimately, he he signs for four years and they they lock him up. Yeah, I I, I understand they get the younger player. I understand they get the more consistent producer uh, over the course of time, and and that probably explains why you know they're more comfortable giving him you know four years because they're thinking if if we do end up having him for that long, we're going to end up getting value for that. Um, whereas I think I like personally the, the the chance the Braves are taking on Ozuna a little bit better. Um, but I said multiple times for, for anybody who uh, who has asked me, I don't think the Cardinals should re-sign Ozuna. I think it would be uh, to their benefit to to kind of cut ties right now, to move on, to uh, let let themselves explore what some of these other guys can do um, that they they really want to find out about. Some of the guys like Lane Thomas, and you know maybe Tyler O'Neill fits into that mix a little bit more than I'm anticipating, even though uh, his health has been a question where he's not been able to stay very durable. Um, but I think still more than anybody else is Dylan Carlson um, potentially going to burst onto the scene here in 2020. I think that's part of why, uh, you know, the team is comfortable certainly with uh, Ozuna departing. And, and it's another reason that I was as well. Um, now that's not to say that they couldn't have, uh, you know, been able to replicate that production uh, with another signing or another trade. I, I think Starling Marte, I know it's hard to, to trade within the division, but the fact that he was dealt by the pirates today, uh, you know, would that have been something the Cardinals could have inquired on? Because I think, uh, you know, when you talk about star level players, he's certainly one of those. And I consider him a, you know, a rung or two on the ladder above uh, what Ozuna brought you. And so I, I think some replication in, of, of that kind of production could have come in that way for the Cardinals. Um, but the more this offseason goes along, I think it's pretty clear that their intention is just to kind of ride this out and stand pat and, and show up to Jupiter with some of these guys that, um, you know, are not going to excite the metrics are not going to excite the people that are doing projections for the season and they're not going to excite the fans. And that's all very understandable. Um, and, and certainly there's probably a little bit of frustration within the Cardinals that um, that's just going to kind of be the narrative around the team when you look at how little they actually spent this offseason. But that, that's just the reality of it. And, and when you when you choose to go with internal options, um, that's kind of par for the course with uh, the, the, the discourse and the dialogue around the team. Uh, from the public, that's what it's going to be in the offseason. And so if you're comfortable with your process, which the Cardinals are, um, I think that, you know, you just kind of have to write out some of that that uh, public wave of criticism, which uh, fans are definitely right to to offer up right now. And and you're just going to have to play the waiting game and, and really hope that some of these guys pan out the way you think. Because if you end up getting into June and July and you've, you've cycled through a lot of these options and, and they don't pan out, you know, you guys are getting hurt, which happens throughout a season. You have to be able to account for some of that. And, and the guys that aren't hurt, aren't performing or, or aren't quite doing what you thought they'd be able to do. Um, that's certainly something that, that could be a concern for the Cardinals. And at that point, it's going to be too late to come back and say, you know, we should have handled things differently in the off season because that's all that the fan base is clamoring for right now. And so the Cardinals are betting on their process. I tend to think it's, it's going to work out and be okay. Uh, but I could absolutely see where you, you, you know, as a fan would like to see more certainty in that lineup and it's kind of interesting that the Cardinals are not worried about it and the optics of it uh, don't look great because, yeah, Ozuna was the cleanup hitter last season. And not only have you done nothing to replace him, who you've lost, um, you also traded away guys like Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarena, who could have been a part of, you know, of that group that from which you could, could find some some better offensive alternatives. And so. Um, you know, they've kind of depleted their ranks a little bit. That was by intention. And they still think they have enough left within that group to, uh, to, to pull out a couple of outfielders or, you know, players in general that, that can kind of pick up the slack. And so I think 
things could get a little bit creative as we go along, but I understand the fans' concern when you look at the roster right now. You say, the Reds are doing all this. What are the Cardinals doing uh, to counter? And so far, the answer to that has been not much. So we'll have to wait and see whether the Cardinals process pans out or not as we get down to Jupiter next month. I'm going to take a quick break here, and when I come back, I'm going to talk about the possibility of the DH in the National League as early as 2021 and give some of my thoughts on that whole situation. All right, and welcome back in now. Brendan Schaefer, excited to wrap up the first edition of the B. Schaefer Daily Podcast. Again, hopefully this is something that I will be doing throughout the rest of the offseason. And as we get into spring training, I'll try to have some uh, some daily episodes for you guys down there. And certainly during the regular season as the Cardinals get back to play in 2020. But uh, to wrap up this episode today, I'm going to talk about the tweet from Jim Bowden that's been making the rounds today. Uh, he tweeted, there is a growing belief amongst NLGMs that the DH will be instituted for the NL as early as 2021 for what it's worth. Um, and to a lot of fans of National League Baseball, uh, under which Cardinals fans fall into that category, um, it's probably not worth a lot. They're not excited about the idea of it. I know that a lot of it seems like this goes along generational lines. Um, you know, older generations of fans prefer uh, to, to have baseball the way it's always been played. Pitchers bat, double switches, pinch hitting, uh, you know, creative elements for the manager to consider as games go along. Um, and I think more and more younger fans of baseball are kind of in tune with the DH. And um, objectively, it would create for more interesting games from an offensive perspective. Uh, pitchers are very bad hitters by and large. They're worse than they've ever been. Uh, pitchers on the pitching end are throwing harder, throwing nastier stuff than they ever have. It's more difficult for somebody who does not spend their time, their livelihood, perfecting their ability to hit a baseball um, which which the pitchers do not do. It's getting more difficult for them to be able to to hang. And I know there are exceptions to the rule. Adam Wainwright is certainly one of those. Um, a guy who who would not like to see the DH in the National League. Maybe that'll be the thing that gets him to retire. Um, because after this season, if that's what ends up happening, as Jim Bowden says, there's a growing belief among National League general managers that that will be the case. And you know, those who have have wanted it to uh, stay away from the NL uh, have been fighting a losing battle this entire time because eventually. It's been an inevitability that it was going to happen at some point, and it sounds more and more like uh, that could end up being sooner rather than later. Um, when you consider that the two leagues play under you know different set of rules, um, from the players' union perspective, you can certainly understand how they would and why they would want uh, the the uh, National League to adopt the same rules as the AL because it means more money for their players. Uh, you know, it essentially creates new positions of value in National League clubs where. Uh, you know, currently those guys would just be bench guys and you don't necessarily want to allocate finances to a guy who, who's not going to be in a starting role on an everyday basis. Teams could then say, well, you know, maybe he's not a great fielder like Castellanos or Marcelo Zuna. Uh, Jose Martinez would be another example. The Cardinals perhaps could have kept him if they had uh, the, the DH. You never know the way that would have gone down. Um, but when you look at financially, what what players who are you know, on the back half of their career, perhaps their defensive skills have declined, but they still have have some pop in their bat. You can just see how that would create more jobs uh, of, of considerable value uh, for the players. And so for that reason alone, um, when you consider all of the elements that are coming up with the CBA, um, that's going to get nasty. It could have it has the potential to, to, to cause uh, some issues throughout baseball between the, the players and the owners. Um, that could certainly be one thing that the owners, I think, already you're recognizing, like, you know, 
this is just going to be something that we're going to have to sacrifice. Um, and, and whether the owners care that much to begin with, it's probably down to individual owners and individual general managers. They all have their own opinions, but certainly you could see how that would benefit the players' side of things. And so I would just be really surprised if, you know, even if it doesn't happen by next year, which it seems like it very well could, um, 2022 at the latest, it would seem uh, the NL is going to have the DH. And so, you know, it doesn't really do a lot for me to sit here and tell you what my opinions on whether it should happen or not, because I'm telling you, it really does look like it's going to happen at this point. I'm not personally a fan of it because I, uh, you know, appreciate kind of the, the lower scoring game. And I could like a pitcher's duel where it's three to two and there's some, some decisions that have got to be made late in the game. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those things, and, and maybe I didn't view it this way several years ago where I was very staunch against having the, the DH in the NL, which I'm still against it. But I think it's one of those things where you're going to get over it probably faster than you think you will. Uh, you may not love the idea. You may not even like the idea, and you may be hard, hard, fast opposed to it. But uh, I think after a couple of years, you probably won't notice the differences quite as much as you think you're going to. Um, yeah, I think it'll take out some some elements of the, the game that – uh, I like to see, and that would be disappointing. But uh, then again, those elements are few and far between, and it'll make individual games more interesting um, because you know you've got nine batters capable of getting a hit, whereas oftentimes you have eight or eight and a half if you you know if you have a good hitting pitcher. And so, how individual teams will go about doing that and, and, and handling that um, with guys like you know Madison Bumgarner, who probably could hit on a on a as as a DH, but but do you sacrifice the DH in order to? you know, have him in there. You, you've seen the angels with Shohei Otani um, when he was pitching. That's the only day of the week he doesn't hit because even for that, even a hitter that you consider to be a pretty good one in Otani, it still takes away from the value of the team. If you're, you're having to, to, to run out a relief pitcher into the batter's box later in the game. And so um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it shakes out. And, and I think there's going to be plenty of grumbling um, within Cardinals nation within throughout baseball fans. Uh, but I think ultimately um, even though I'm not a fan of it, I think the inevitability of it is just such that it's not even worth getting upset over um, at this point in time. The DH is coming. You don't have to be excited about it. I'm not all that thrilled about it myself, so I can understand if you are not. But it's on its way and uh, just begin uh, the five stages of grief. Start accepting it uh, that pitchers won't be batting in the National League for very much longer. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of B-Shave Daily. I appreciate you guys for joining me for this inaugural episode. I'm hoping to be able to bring these to you on a daily basis going forward throughout the offseason, especially, though, when when breaking news happens or or things within the, the, the realm of Major League Baseball goes on. That's worth talking about. Uh, my plan is to go ahead and do so. And then I'll be down in Jupiter, of course, again, uh, February 12th, and I'll be there for three weeks to cover uh, the Cardinals spring training as uh, all the good stuff unfolds right there at the beginning. And uh, we'll get into some of the game action that will go on down in Jupiter as well. And then, of course, throughout the regular season, I'll be here with you as well. Something I'm going to do on Twitter, uh, using the Anchor app, you're able to uh, share a link for uh, listeners to leave voice messages. So I'll go ahead and do that as well on my Twitter account after I get everything fired up here. And if uh, there are any questions or topics you would like to hear covered in a future episode of Bees Shave Daily, uh, feel free to drop me a voice message and I might even be able to use it within the episode. I'm still kind of getting used to the platform and learning how things work here, but I'm excited about uh, being able to, to do podcasts with you guys here and uh, hopefully everything uh, runs smoothly with Anchor and then I can uh, can get things rolling here for the near future. Uh, so I appreciate you guys joining me and I'll talk to you next time.